Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Ray Young, Young Farms in Cypress, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Terry Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, agriculture committee leaders in both the House and the Senate have reached an agreement on a one-year farm bill extension. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As everyone in the cattle business knows, futures prices for feeders have slumped recently. What might that mean for heifer retention? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A Central Texas teacher receives a statewide award. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I will introduce you to the winner of the Outstanding Agriculture in the Classroom Teacher of the Year Award, just ahead on Texas Ag Today. It's that time of year in Texas when we put up our lawnmowers for the winter for most of us and our string trimmers. And we're going to talk a little bit about getting those small engines ready for winter. Please join me, John Begbow. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Agriculture committee leaders from both the House and the Senate reached an agreement on a one-year farm bill extension. But that extension still depends on an agreement between the House, the Senate, and the White House. And there's no certainty if that will happen. Pro-farmer political analyst Jim Wiesmeyer says the possible extension will buy some time to get the farm bill done. Later rather than sooner. That's why I never put a year on a farm bill. And I've covered 11 of the 19 in our history, by the way. The reasons are similar to what we've had for the last few months. Uh, funding. They're trying to find more funding. I think eventually they will. Maybe not the dollar amount that they want to really improve Title I, which is the safety net program. But now we also have a timing issue. And while the timeline is what he calls murky, Wiesmeyer says, don't be quick to rule out a new farm bill in 2024. But the most important fact for your audience is that it doesn't rule out a new farm bill next year, but it looks like it would start with 2025 crops. Why? That gives USDA time to write the implementation language, go out for regulations, etc. Having covered more than half of the farm bills ever done in our country's history, Wiesmeyer says lawmakers always come to an agreement. It's just a matter of how long it takes. 
USDA has awarded Texas State University $750,000 to continue its work with new and small farmers and ranchers across Texas. The university and USDA have also entered a $400,000 cooperative agreement with USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service to support regenerative agriculture outreach initiatives. The university says the funding will allow their small producer initiative to continue to provide small, urban, minority, and veteran farmers with regenerative ranching and soil health demonstrations. They say the grant will also enable SPI to provide beekeeping training, financial literacy training, and assist NRCS with engaging new and small farmers. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Winter wheat planting here in Texas now passing the 80% done mark. In fact, the latest crop progress and condition report out on Monday shows 82% of the Texas winter wheat crop now in the ground. That is a bit behind the five-year average pace of 86%. Now, as far as the crop condition ratings go on this wheat crop, looking pretty good with 40% of the crop rated good to excellent, 39% rated fair, and 21% rated poor to very poor. Cattle futures have been on a roller coaster ride recently. Unfortunately, those prices have been in a downtrend. James Hunt looks at how those price changes will affect herd rebuilding. Everyone who follows the markets knows that prices go up and prices go down, sometimes in very extreme ways on a day-to-day basis. Trends may not be sustained for very long, but in recent weeks we have seen futures prices for feeder cattle come down significantly, and Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association believes it could have ranchers thinking about beginning to retain heifers. If you look at what's gone on here over the last 30 days or so, we've looked at about a $30 reduction in the feeder board, and when I talk about a $30 reduction from the high to the low in the feeder board, I think that's going to drive fewer people to bring calves to town. And for sure, it might change the mindset of, okay, do we want to retain this heifer or do we want to sell this heifer? And depending on what these markets do here over the next little bit, we're going to find out, okay, are we going to see more heifers being retained or are we going to see more heifers being sold? But I think at lower feeder prices, I think we're probably going to see fewer heifers being sold and more of those being retained, which at that point, when that occurs and we see that data point happen, that means that we have found the bottom of the cycle and then we'll start going the other direction in the cycle. In other words, some herd rebuilding beginning perhaps before the end of the year. Now, of course, it's widely anticipated that feeder cattle prices will begin to climb back up before too much longer, so we'll wait to see if this current dip is sustained long enough to trigger significant heifer retention. More from Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A Central Texas elementary teacher has received a statewide agricultural award. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The McGregor Independent School District has produced this year's Texas Farm Bureau Outstanding Agriculture in the Classroom Teacher of the Year winner. Melissa Houghton has taught first and third grade students at the McLennan County School since 1996. I'm kind of still in shock and in awe that I even got the award. Agriculture is 
part of my background, and I think it's really important that we continue that for many generations to come. The Teacher of the Year explains how she incorporates agriculture in her classroom. And one of the cool things about agriculture is you can incorporate it into just math or science or social studies. It can be incorporated into your language and your reading activities. And so I try to use resources that are available, which so many organizations have awesome tools that we can use in the classroom, like Farm Bureau just doing from the farm to school program. This is my first year to ever do that, and I love the tools that they provide each month to teach me things even that I I don't even know, even coming from an educational background. I try to bring it into the classroom so it's like hands-on, it means something to them, but yet they can leave school and maybe driving down the road can look out the window and see a farmer doing something and think, wow, I learned a little piece of that in Ms. Houchin's class. That is the 2023 Outstanding Agriculture in the Classroom Teacher of the Year, Melissa Houchin from the McGregor ISD. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is time to put up the lawn and garden equipment for the winter. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has some advice on properly storing that equipment. Well, if you're like me, you're ready to put that lawnmower up, especially after a long growing season. And there are some tips about keeping those things in great condition so that they'll start up in spring. And we've changed our thinking on small gasoline engines from the old days where we used to just either do a shutoff valve to where the fuel didn't sit in the carburetor and gunk up or drain the entire fuel because we weren't going to use it again in spring. And now with the addition of, of ethanol, it kind of changed the game a little bit. We can still use fuel stabilizers, and that's an additive that we use in our uh, gas engines. And you add it to the tank, crank it, run it a little bit, and then just put it up. These stabilize the fuels, even if they have uh, ethanol. But some people recommend not using an ethanol fuel over the winter because some of those bulbs that you uh, prime of the engines with, things like that can deteriorate because of ethanol. So that's a suggestion you might look at. We like to get everything repaired and ready for spring. So if you have engines that need tuning up and that sort of stuff, it's going to be a slow time for shops. So you might want to do that. And one of the things we're seeing a lot in the lawn care business, as well as in the home lawn care, is switching from fuel or gasoline engines to electric equipment. Now, they're not necessarily doing it for climate reasons. They're doing it because, one, they're tired of pulling ropes, or two, they're just not getting them to start when they need to, and they spend as much time in the shop as they do being used. And with today's battery-powered electric equipment, man, they have made some great advances. And so you might look into that. I have. I have a battery-powered chainsaw that I wouldn't trade for. It's lightweight. I can carry it around and do everything from farm work and cutting cedars on the ranch to just cutting down uh, limbs off of pecan tree. So you might consider looking. And the way I did, and you may try it, is look at reviews. When you find something like, and it's the voltage you like, if it's 24 volts or 40 volts or 60 volts they even have now. But whatever it is, do a little internet search on it and get the reviews and find out if it's exactly what you need. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. Although much of the state has received some much-needed rainfall, the risk of wildfire still exists. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And how susceptible is your horse to laminitis? 
Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. How susceptible is your horse to laminitis? Dr. Bob Judd says there are several factors that determine that. Insulin-related laminitis is the most common cause of laminitis and is due to increased levels of insulin, usually due to your horse's diet and body condition. Laminitis is a painful foot condition and a large portion of treatment and prevention is related to the horse's diet. Horses with hyperinsulinemia-related laminitis have high levels of insulin in their blood and carry excessive fat tissue overall or in just certain areas. Dr. Simon Bailey from Melbourne, Australia, indicated in the horse publication that together these abnormalities are known as equine metabolic syndrome and hyperinsulinemia-related laminitis is part of this syndrome. There are several factors that make your horse susceptible to this type of laminitis, including genetics. Some horses are more susceptible depending on their breeding, as ponies and overweight horses are more likely to develop laminitis than other horses. Obesity may be due to feeding too much feed, but in many cases, obesity is due to insulin resistance. And once the horse is overweight, obesity further increases insulin resistance. So if your horse is overweight or only has fat pockets in certain areas, it is definitely susceptible to developing laminitis. In one study, 50% of the light breed horses in the United States were obese, and there is a clear association between insulin dysregulation and pony breeds, Spanish and gated horse breeds, miniature horses, and warm bloods. Some of these horses are more metabolically efficient than others, and evolution could play a role as the ancestors of these breeds adapted to a horse environment coming out of Western Europe after the last ice age. This is why these breeds cannot adapt to the lush pastures and high-carbohydrate feeds of today. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Much of Texas has received rainfall recently, but the threat of wildfires still exists. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Although recent rainfall has improved drought conditions across much of the state, the risk of wildfire remains. And the Texas A&M Forest Service is reminding hunters that there are several things they can do to help prevent wildfires this fall and winter. Karen Stafford, the Forest Service's statewide wildfire prevention program coordinator, joins us with more. We have had some rain. It's been kind of spotty in some areas. But something to keep in mind that a lot of people forget about going into that transition area, going into the winter season, the fall season. Once we start getting our frosts, our hard freezes, our grasses go dormant. And that's when all of our grasses start turning brown. Then they dry out very quickly. 
and they are very susceptible to ignition and they carry a fire very easily. So that's kind of a major change in our vegetation, rain or no rain. We can always expect that trend to happen once we start getting our freezes. To prevent a wildfire from igniting dry vegetation, the Forest Service urges drivers to ensure nothing is dragging from their vehicle or trailer. While people are taking their equipment out to their deer leases, feeders, four-wheelers, anything like that, always inspect those tow chains where the trailer connects to the vehicle and make sure those chains are not making contact with the road surface because that will cause sparks and it can ignite a grass fire. Drivers should also be mindful of where they drive and park. Equipment causes about 18% of our wildfires this time of year, and that could be even just as simple as parking on dry grass, whether you're using your normal vehicles, ATVs, UTVs, anything like that that has a catalytic converter underneath it. That catalytic converter becomes so hot that when it contacts dry grass, it can ignite a fire. So just something as simple as making sure you have a clearance down to the soil underneath wherever you park or just stay on designated parking areas. That'll help a lot. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market made nice gains on Wednesday, triple-digit gains in most contracts. We'll start with live cattle where December was up $1.92, 177.77. February up $1.90, 178.77, with April up $1.67 at 180.45. Feeder cattle, higher on all except that nearby November. Now, of course, it's getting ready to go off the board as it nears cash settlement, so it's going to act differently than most of the other contracts. November down 62 cents, 229.42. Everything else higher. January feeder cattle up $1.90 at 230.90. March up 212 at 233.50. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. We had some early week bids of 175 from the Packers. Those, of course, were passed on most of our feedlots here in the Southern Plains, asking 183 this week. No asking prices reported out of the Northern Plains at this point. Boxed beef prices higher on Wednesday. Choice up 261, 298.28. Select up a dollar 41, 269.29. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. My guest in the alleyway at the auction today is Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham, Cattleman's Columbus. Doug, how was the Brenham sale Friday? Yeah, good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 921 head of cattle. Pins with me, Doug. 
Yes, sir, on your weighing cows, thinner lower yielding cows, 45 to 65, medium flesh cows, 68 to 83, better high yielding cows, 86 to a dollar, lower yielding bulls, 84 to 105, better high yielding bulls, 108 to 116. Uh, had a few little old planer pairs, 900 to $1,100. Uh, bred cows, kind of the same way, 850 to 1200. Uh, two to three weight steers, 230 to 310. Heifers, 215 to 295. Three to four weight steers, 220 to 332. Heifers, 210 to 305. Four to five weight steers, 210 to 305. Heifers, $2 to 292. Five to six weight steers, $2 to 280. Heifers, 190 to 255. Six to seven weight steers, 195 to 237. Heifers, 185 to 221. Seven to eight weight steers, 190 to 229. Heifers, 180 to 212. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yarders, 165 to 205. Heiferettes, 125 to 2 bucks. Now, what are we anticipating this week at Cattleman's Columbus? I've had quite a few calls, Mr. Larry. You know, this will be our last sale before Thanksgiving. We'll be off next week. So I've got quite a few people calling, a few pretty good loads of kids coming. So we're looking forward to a good sale. Good. Doug, as soon as that sale's over with, we'll get that report and we'll put it up right here on Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How about that? Yes, sir. Doug, now tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Call me on my cell, 979-877-4454. Call us there at the office, 979-836-3621. We appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good day. Be careful. Yes, sir. You too, Miss Larry. Thank you. And neighbor, you be careful too, and come on back to the next edition of Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finish lower Wednesday. December hogs down a dollar twenty-five, seventy-one oh five. February down a dollar two at seventy-four ninety. Class three milk was mixed nearby November up a penny, seventeen fourteen a hundred weight. December milk down six at seventeen fifty a hundred. The cotton market closed slightly lower, but the good news is we were able to hold on to the big gains that we saw on Tuesday. A couple of factors traders keeping an eye on. Six to ten day weather forecast calls for near normal rain for West Texas with above normal rain in the panhandle. Also, belt wide, the cotton harvest now stands at 67%, nearly two thirds complete. December cotton down 27 points, 78.41. March down 14 points, 81.01, with May cotton down 14 at 81.74. The grain market's mostly lower today. Corn finishing lower. December down seven and a half at 470 and three quarters. March corn down five and three quarters, 488 and a half. Both hard and soft wheat mostly lower. December Kansas City wheat did finish the day unchanged at 639 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down 11 and a half at 560 and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas up five cents at 316. December West Texas crude down a dollar seventy-seven, seventy-six forty-nine a barrel. The financial markets higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 163 points at 34,991. Nasdaq up nine, 14,103, with the SP up seven, 4,502. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.